Welcome to Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and feeling extremely grateful that it is not broiling hot where I am currently. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. Winning is having lunch on the company and having a coworker also bring donuts for you to bring home and consume after you had lunch on the company. Losing is doing that on a day where it's 99 degrees outside and you rode your bike. Well, if that was today, you look like you've had a shower in the interim. Your, your beard is remarkably I fluffy. I have had a shower <laughs> in the interim. That's why my beard is so remarkably fluffy. So fluffy. I don't, I don't in, in regular life, I don't shower in the middle of the day, but after a long, hot bike ride and the... I mean, this is ridiculous hot right now, and, and it's not... Like, what, London shut down because it's going to hit 106 or something? Yeah. Uh, Yikes. I mean, that is nuts. But uh, I mean, I, I used to live in Arizona. 106 was pretty normal, but I didn't enjoy it. I will never, ever go there again, you know. <laughs> well, Arizona's entire world is built to, right. to you know, handle that. But uh, it's not, um, Yeah, that's no. not the case in London. London no. is like... Air conditioning wait, is mean, not a thing, really. Sun is not a thing. <laughs> like, I uh, guess you get a little bit of sun in the summer. I feel but, bad for, for folks who are having to put up with this, and I hope that people yeah. remain safe. But yeah. So, okay, so separate from heat. Wait, did you share what we're going to be talking about today? Or did I we did not. We just, dived, we just dived dove okay, right well, in. Well, we, we'll come, well, why don't you give the teaser, and we'll come back to that in a second. Yeah, so today on the show, we're going to be talking about leadership and systems thinking. Again, whatever that means. All right, which I'm excited about. Okay, but first, um, before we get there, separate from heat, uh, yeah, I found this link this week that was something like a subreddit for people who are visibly mending clothes, and it made me think of you, and I sent it to you, and I'm curious if you visibly mend your clothes to show like fancy artwork on them where they've been mended. Or if you just make new clothes now, once you've made homemade bloomers, why repair them? I don't know. What's the... Uh, well, amusingly, you, you sent me that link, and I'm already, I was already subscribed to that on Reddit. So yes, it's, it's like you know me. Um, Almost. And it is, that subreddit is pretty cool. It is about... Uh, mending things. Um, I think there's a Japanese word for that that's escaping me right now. The where you can, in a way, the item that you're mended that you mended is more beautiful now than it was before you mended it. Like before, before it was broken and fixed. Uh, the classic example of that is um, a, a way to mend pottery where you put a you put silver or gold uh, adhesive or some sort of colored thing in the line where you're fixing the pottery and so it's all pretty and has this filigree of lines in it after you've repaired it that was kind of the basic idea but i mean you're more referring to um mending clothes with uh with embroidery thread or um there's another like the japanese are super into this apparently there's a japanese type of thread um where you where, where it's all different colors and you can make pictures or make beautiful patterns and stuff. And so this subreddit is full of examples of that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I don't, I mean, I literally did just repair a pair of my brother's shorts that he sent me that he wanted me to, to replace. So I made another version of the shorts, but they weren't that badly damaged. So I tried to fix them. I'm not very good at it. Uh, so it's like there's a fix that's, these are black, very faded old black shorts. They're mended with bright red thread. 
so you can really see where the hole was, but it's not a hole anymore. I mean, <laughs> the well, finish that thought before I interrupt uh, and make the story entirely about me. Okay, I don't so, have the thought. Um, no, <laughs> go for it, Kendall. <laughs> the um, when I was living in China, it cost so little to get something sewn or hemmed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking 10 cents a lot of the times, right? So if I had a pair of pants that was falling apart, I'd take it in and ask him to hem it. Um, I had a friend who had a pair of shorts from some fancy brand in America where the crotch was hemmed different so that there was like more room for hiking. I recognize that this is a kid-friendly podcast. It's not. Uh, anyways, and- <laughs> you mean um, a gusset, I believe, is the term you're uh, uh, Well, to. whatever it's called, I have no idea. So anyways, it was, uh, I took a pair of those in and had somebody make a pair of them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like all kinds of things like this. Well, one time I had a pair of Dickies pants mm-hmm. and uh, something had happened to the bottom of them and I took them in and I had them hemmed into shorts and Dickies look real bad as shorts. <laughs> but like also... I have no sense of style and uh, (laughs) I was on the Great Wall and took a picture like with a bunch of friends and you know a week and a half later or something sent it to my mom and instead of like that's so cool, wow that's amazing, the only response from my mom is what the hell are those shorts (laughs) and I was like mom like how often have I sent you a picture of me on the Great Wall? Literally never. This is the very first time Uh, and like it must so, have been so exciting. <laughs> well, and then there was a shirt that I had that was like an old thrift store plaid shirt that uh, people also used to give me shit about all the time. And at some point, somebody like grabbed it and ripped it when I was walking away because they wanted me to throw it away. And so I took this plaid, it was like a blue plaid shirt, and I cut triangles out of the plaid shirt. And everybody said my Dickies shorts were too tight around the leg. Probably would have been in now, although the butt was weird and, you know. Anyways, so I cut up the side of the leg and I handed the triangle of uh, shirt fabric to somebody and they sewed it into the pant leg to make the pant leg wider. But now they flayed out and had this really ugly flannel in the, and I wore those for seven months till my wife threw them away without me noticing. That sounds amazing. Uh, but, uh, I have added stuff to the side of pants to make them wider. Yeah. It's a yeah, classic approach. It was, I thought it was awesome. And you I thought have any photos as, that we can include in the show notes? I, I don't know. I might be able to dig up a photo. I have the photo on the Great Wall. Uh-huh. I know I have that photo. I don't know if I There's have a photo be an of after photo. shorts later, but uh, I can well. look. Let's, uh, let's try. not that many photos. Our, yeah, our, our listeners de- deserve this, whatever that means. <laughs> deserve the visual <laughs> imagery. Yeah, yeah. I'm, they're probably, I have the face for podcasting. That's yeah. why we don't record the video. Same. Um, that's, uh, well, and then my update is we are still selling shit. We sold our car last weekend for a profit, which felt good. Wow. Because it's not very often you do that. Drove it for four years, put 40,000 miles on it, and sold it for $1,000 more than I bought it for. Because the market's crazy right Congratulations. now. Congratulations. Um, I mean, after insurance and all the other things, and or uh, like, not insurance, the, the warranty and taxes, it wasn't actually a profit, but it felt like one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what else? Yesterday, we or two days ago, we sold my desk. We sold my monitor. So I'm sitting on my laptop on my daughter's desk that we're going to put into storage. Like, the house is empty. We sold our couch. We said, like, we're down to almost nothing. Um, and it somebody was like, echoey we should... There. It is echoey. Yeah, it's probably echoey in my office because nothing's in here anymore. Mm-hmm. Somebody was like, we should dismantle the chairs. And I'm like, 
you're here at least another week. We got to have a place to sit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good a good point. Good idea. So, anyways, <laughs> it's uh, we're close, but we're down wow. to almost nothing. Uh, that's terrifying. I keep debating about my bike whether to try to take it or just sell it, but it's such a weird bike. I listed it on Craigslist and I'm trying to describe it and I'm like, well, and I, and I changed that and I added this and this is different and that's weird and you're probably not going to like this, but that's this <laughs> ratio and that's that, you know, like, and I'm like, nobody's going to buy this. Uh-huh. Like a very That'll be a sign to, to keep it. Are you, yeah. are you able to take it if you decide? So I can fly. Yes. Like domestic flights. It's just a checked bag. You put it in a bike bag and you can just bring it. It's an oversized bag, but they just check it like a regular bag. Okay. Um, for the international flight, I'd probably have to pay for it. It'd be cheaper than replacing the bike. Mm-hmm. The one concern I have is upon arrival, are they going to charge me a bunch of customs? Like there's, they kind of real random about this in Portugal. Like sometimes they're like, that's new. You owe us twice the cost of the bike. And I'm like, well, that, it was an $85 bike and I've owned it for this very long time and it's definitely not new. And like, if you want more than $100 for it, just keep it. Uh, but now I'm out the money that I took to, to get there, you know, so I, I don't know mm, what we'll do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, hopefully it will all work out. So the topic of this episode was largely instigated by a tweet from someone named John Cutler. Uh, whose Twitter handle is at John, G-A-O-H-N, Cuttlefish, but with only one T. Um, And this tweet is actually, I went and looked, pinned to uh, his profile at the moment, so you can go take a look at it. But uh, it's largely about how to take care of oneself if one is a systems thinker with with limited power or limited formal scope. Um, It's a long list of things. Um, Some things like, uh, take care of yourself. Your brain is working over time, all the time. Practice radical recovery. Uh, you may spend a lot longer thinking about things than most people. Pace your delivery. Uh, and there's a list of 20 things, so I'm not going to read them all. You can go look at them. I'll link to this tweet in the show notes as well. Um, so, But yeah, I, I recognized a lot of my own self and past struggles in the list. And I wish that I'd seen that list when I was just starting to care about my own influence as a leader and otherwise. Um, And I've always been the type of person to want to have a bigger picture to understand more context. And I often say context is king. I think it's a great expression. Uh, Some really awesome episodes of TV have also been called context for kings or context is king. Uh, Lack of context often affects my willingness to take risks which has probably affected my career trajectory a fair bit over the years. And I also wonder how many system thinkers also think of themselves as being control freaks. Um, But Mm. I've heard the term systems thinking a lot before, you know, on Twitter and discussions, but I've never really looked into it. I mean, why wouldn't you be a system thinker? Why wouldn't you want the larger context when trying to decide something or or impact something? Um, But what is the opposite of systems thinking and, uh, isn't sometimes that kind of thinking also valuable? Uh, but yeah, in general, I was just interested in that and how, I mean, do you have to be a systems thinker to be a good leader? I, I kind of think yes, but I don't know. What do you think, Kendall? Yeah, sorry, that's well, a lot. That's, that's an interesting, no, it's okay. That's an interesting way to put the question because you told me we were going to talk about this topic and the, the thinking I had done about it. Uh, takes a little bit of a different angle than some of your intro for this, so I'm I'm uh, a little on my back foot. But this is this is what I'll say. First of all, <laughs> welcome to my world. I think there. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, this this is this is what I do to you every Your time. Your turn. Uh, <laughs> I think like it, it it there's in general I solve problems with people. Like that's always how I think about problems. Like mm-hmm. um, you know, who can I encourage to solve this problem? Who can I help grow to solve this problem? Who do I need to hire to solve this problem? Etc. right? But Within that, there's the systems of like what is, you know, when the way you're defining it is a little more like what's good for the business as a whole rather than like go in your hole, write that line of code, and shut up and don't ask questions. Or more like, right? why like, is this happening? Why is there this problem? It's not right. just because you wrote bad code. It's because you didn't have the right. context you needed to write the good code. Like going back up the li- the ladder, that's kind of what I'm seeing it as. Well, and 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 I think like there's an awful lot of la- uh, leaders who um, are bad at setting context for their people. There, it's it's a lot of just like do this and do mm-hmm. that, and there's never an explanation of why they're doing that or whatever. And uh, it definitely takes a more mature leader to set the context for this is what the reasoning is. But even then, like. Um, you know, at the, at the executive level, I've met an awful lot of people who aren't able to think outside of their particular, uh, they can think about all the systems in their silo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and like there's, um, sometimes we align our incentives to be that way, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's really easy to build a comp model for your sales leader that makes it so that he will be out there doing everything in his power to close as many deals, however detrimental to the company, uh, is possible because it's he's gonna get the bigger check at the end of the week and he doesn't really care if you can mm-hmm. deliver it or not. That's not oh, his problem. Man. Right? There's, yeah. Well, I I mean I have a hard time. I think regularly, particularly on the sales side of the house, we cause incentives that are so siloed that they're they end up not being good for the business. Now, oh, yeah. in theory, people can sort through that, uh, but you know it it seems to me that like incentivizing just based on sales is sort of similar to incentivizing just based on lines of code. Mm-hmm. Like it is a thing you can measure. You're right. Yeah, is, is sales yeah. more, well, yeah. Is sales more directly tied to the likely good outcomes for the business than lines of code? Yes. Very much so. Right. Like at least on the, at the immediate the day, sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the chairman of our board always says you have two problems in business, sales and every other problem. Right. And, and that's true. Like if you solve sales, you, you can literally afford to buy anything else. You know, you can just fix every other problem because you can afford it. Uh, you throw money at it. But um, hmm. it's, uh, it's complicated and messy. And anyways, my, my, my point being, the more senior the leader, the better I see them be at like, hey, this is what the business needs. Here's how what I'm doing affects that. And therefore, here's what I need to change about my org, whether I like it or not. Because this is what the board needs. Or the, not the board, the business needs. Uh, And so like, yeah, you have to have some level of systems thinking. Very successful leaders, I think, often do have systems thinking at a very high level. And they aren't just solving the problem with people. You know, that that my like, oh, well, I solve problem with people thing sounds a little like I go in my hole and say, who can I hire to just make my problem go away? No, 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 (laughs) CFO, CFO, I never have to look at a spreadsheet again. You know, like, uh, that's not really how that works. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But well, I don't think you have to be a. So, okay. It depends a little bit on what we define as successful. There's an awful lot of very big titled people who are shit at systems thinking. There's an awful lot of mm-hmm. people who never got very far in their career who are great at it. 
whether they were good leaders or not, mm-hmm. whether they had big titles or not. Well, this Sorry, this list of, que- of, of uh, I don't know, self-care tips for system thinkers uh, that's in this tweet is, is, it's kind of a good introduction to like why it's hard to be a systems thinker unless you're like, you know, the big cheese and you're totally in charge and you can change anything you want, which is totally how that works, right? CEO can change yeah, anything. Yeah, because you're never they want. the big cheese. That's the problem. Right, we talked about There's this no last such time. Thing as the big cheese. Yeah, unless <laughs> unless you own your own business and you answer to no one. Yeah. There is never a big cheese. Go so, ahead. but yeah, so the idea being um it, unless you have uh some people skills that go along with and then I'm making it sound like systems thinking and solving problems with people are diametrically opposed and I don't think they are. No. Uh, I think that often people who tend towards system thinking are not uh, necessarily as good at working with people to affect change. To, and so some of these, uh, some of these things, like number sixteen, totally a great tip that I had. I know that I was really shitty at back in the day. Watch out for imposing your worldview on people. Have you asked what, about what people care about? Um. And the idea, another one is um, that it is it, when you you don't have to describe the the problem you're trying to solve in in, in a tremendous amount of uh, of detail. You just have to convince someone that it's a problem. That your your yeah. oh it's number four. Your default description of almost any problem will be too threatening and overwhelming. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that idea kind of makes it seem like. You're, you would be better, you would be more successful as a systems thinker if you also considered how you come across. Well, because there are some people who, like, there are some people who, for some reason or another, don't want all the context. They don't want to know, mm-hmm. I need to do X, Y, or Z for this reason and that reason. Or we, if we don't do this by this date, we're screwed. They just want to be told, go in your hole and write yeah. that code or solve that. Even even at the manager level. And sometimes a great system thinker is overwhelmed by life because they're, you know, their dog died and their kid is sick and they, you know, just lived through a global pandemic. And, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why you can be overwhelmed and be like, I just want to do my job. Can you leave me alone? Mm-hmm. Right? Like I've even met a couple of company founders recently who quit their jobs to go be individual contributors at larger organizations because they're just sick of having to deal with all the bits. They're Mm -hmm. like, I want to know exactly as much as you tell me, and I want to be really good at solving this very small problem, and I don't want to have to deal with the big picture because I've dealt with the big picture, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting, yeah, totally. But I'm not sure that like having all the context or thinking about it in terms of the system is necessarily exhausting. For some people, it might be. I think for some people, it feels like a puzzle that's energizing yeah. to solve. Yeah, yeah. Um, Give me more data. But I think Let like, me get more closer to the best optimal. I am such an optimizer. I find myself doing things like figuring out the best path across my house where like I've got to do this in the kitchen. I've got to go move this to this other room. I got like, I just by default do this. What order to do these things in? And um if you've ever played this game, a game called Dominion, it's a, a board game. It involves card decks, and I think it's in some ways similar to Magic the Gathering. Yeah, we're going there, man. Um, there's <laughs> there's this way to play where you it, it depend. It matters what order you put out your cards in, that you get more opportunities to get more cards and win, like get more benefit if you do things in a certain order. There's like an optimized way to put things out and have them bounce off each other and do stuff. And I find that super satisfying. Like the more I can 
play that out and potentially have more paths to success, like a really awesome chess game. Uh, that kind of thing is super satisfying to me. Um, having to convince someone else that my path is the right path, not so, not so satisfying at all. And so that's where I bump up against the real world and why this isn't a great place for me <laughs> in terms of my yeah. desire to do systems thinking. That hard part is much harder. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the, um, I've heard the comment that the higher up you go, the more volatility you need to deal with, right? And uh, it's, like, one more additional piece in the system's thinking, like, both, here's all the bits that this decision is going to affect, as well as, and it could all change and it could all be bullshit and it could all, you know, like I have to go out there and pavement pound in this specific way, sell this specific narrative, tell my people X, Y, or Z is true because we're 60% sure it is. Mm -hmm. And I can't present to everybody that we are only 60% it is. And most of the time you're right. And sometimes you got to go back and say, so we were wrong, mm -hmm. you know, like, and there's the volatility of that is just like one more element in it. I don't know. I'm the so the other thing that I think about though in this topic is I think of people who put everything in a framework yeah. in a systematized way. This is how things work. Therefore, we're running into this problem. This is how we need to go tackle it. I read a thing about this one time in this one place that solves this problem and I'm go do it. Right? And like that's kind of what I think of when I think of a systems thinker hmm. more than like a person who's like, well, let's sit down and figure out how we solve this and let's consider all the different ways it could affect things. But uh, I don't know. Is that how you think about it? Uh, no, I think more about like, well, we have this problem and what's causing this problem. And then you can really, for example, you know, not in the tech world, uh, you can think about why it is that kids are in foster care are, you know, have terrible outcomes compared to kids that aren't. And you go back through, well, it's because they've had a lot of trauma and that affects your, you know, the way your brain develops. And then, well, could we solve this by, you know, how do we fix the foster care system? And then you kind of roll up into, well, you know, what are the other, what if most of the reason that, that kids get put into foster care is because their parents run out of money and they can't properly take care of their children or they, you know, they go, they turn to drugs because they have no resources. Like, well, what if the actual system is the problem where, you know, we don't have universal income. And so people are stressed out all the time and they do bad things. Like it, it, you could, you could go up forever, really. Like the problem is people. That's why I always say that, right? Ultimately the, the problem, the solution yes. to the problem and the I'm problem itself rigorously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For a systems thinker is the, is people. So to me, that's, you know, where do you stop uh, in terms of, you know, it's not useful necessarily to go all the way up the ladder because you have no impact a certain way up the ladder. Uh, but then you get dis you know, I get kind of um, disillusioned and lose my motivation because I think, oh, well, you know, the whole system's fucked. I can't do anything about it. You know, that kind of stuff, that's not very productive either. I think there are a lot of downsides to being a systems thinker. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's helpful to know, like, the boss 
the boss does this because the boss is wired this way. And what's why is the boss wired this way? Well, because his mom didn't love him and he was beat up in high school, you know, like or whatever the Aww. you know, like you could keep going, but at some point, knowing like oh, the boss just acts this way, you know, like is yeah, the boss could change the way they acted if the boss really wanted to, yeah. But also, like, just knowing that this is, you know, there's, there's, I think what's interesting about that. Okay, so for the last many years, I've been at small companies. Uh, primarily a small company and then recently small companies. Um, when previous to that, I was at a much larger organization. It was like 25,000 people worldwide at the time. I was running into things all the time in the organization that I was like, why is this this way? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to matter how far I go up the organization. You know, like I run into this or I run into that. And and finally meeting, you know, at, at some point I had a mentor who'd kind of been in the organization for, I don't know, like 25 years, like was OG, you know, basically. And uh, I asked him at one point, like, why, why is this like that? And I don't even remember what the context was, but I remember he was saying, because... When the founder was dying and the guy who was taking over for him came into the hospital room, he told him, hey man, don't worry about this this or that. I'm going to solve it this way and I promise you that. And as a result, that led to this thing, that led to that thing, that led to that thing and trickles all the way down to 25 years later. Sorry, Kendall, you're fucked. This will never, ever, ever change. change. Yeah. Yeah, and it was some amount of like, Oh, like, good to know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I spending any capital trying to change this when it's it's so fundamental to the DNA that it can't be changed? Yeah, the context uh, is super useful there. You can just turn your attention to something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, it, it's not that it was, like, super disheartening. Like, yeah, but I'd already mourned the fact that things were like that in the organization. If anything, it was a little relieving to find out, like, well, it's just never going to change. This is one of the demons we're going to have to always fight. Uh, right. And, I don't uh, have to convince someone. It's There's no convincing someone. This is just a stupid thing. There's no convincing. Yeah. This stupid will standard. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm curious about that, too, is, like, what are the things... I don't know. At, at the top of an organization, what are the things that I'm causing? Hmm. The the Can system because I, I get that? called out on that a lot. So so let's think about the when you think about systems leadership, <clears throat> thinking through all the different possibilities. That it goes back to my it goes back to my leadership story of like I you know come through different things, had different small leadership opportunities, put in charge of an existing team, and then had the opportunity to go start a new branch office, recruit the whole team from scratch, start from the ground up, build the culture in a separate location, in a separate office with nobody else around, right? So I had a list of everything I was going to do different. And I've, I've shared this before, but uh, you know, it was, it was a long list of we're not going to do this. We're not going to fuck up that. We're going to do things this way. This is our value and here's how we're going to implement. And I, it was, I sat the team down on day one and I was like, this is the shit we stand for. This is how we go about doing it. And everybody's kind of pumped about it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm an inspirational guy with sometimes when I get lucky. And uh, <laughs> the, um, when, when, my, when my goofiness doesn't overwhelm my ability Aww. to inspire. Um, anyways, the, uh, <laughs> that, sometimes, sometimes I walk that line real well, Rachel. I know. Uh, let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, you know, like a year, about a year in, I remember sitting down and looking at the list and talking through with the team, and, and it was a very humbling experience. I had perfectly avoided every problem that I had set out to avoid. I had also created 
a hundred Kendall-sized problems that I could have never foreseen because Kendall hadn't been the person in charge of that mm-hmm. before. And I had never worked for a Kimball, right? And so I didn't know. Your system is different. And flawed in a lot of ways that I couldn't foresee. And so, like, I say that to say, you know, when I think about systems thinking as a leader now, there's both, uh, like, how do I go about this? What do I need to say to this person? How do I encourage that behavior? How do I communicate this business issue to that person without all the business context so that they don't panic, so that they can communicate it to their people with Mm -hmm. even less business context in the right way, you know, like, or whatever, right? There's a billion layers. That's some way of system thinking for problem solving as a leader. The other is, like, man, I made a joke in that meeting and I wonder how many years from now somebody's going to be like, why is this thing in this organization that way? And somebody's <laughs> like, because Kendall made this fucked up joke 20 years ago. And we said and we were never doing it never again. never going to change. Yeah. That's exactly right. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm... Yeah, I, that, that's where my head goes. Uh, I think that systems thinking can be applied to every kind of every level of it's like that 10 times 10 times like 10 times levels of magnification video that some of us saw when we were. Yeah. Are you old enough to have Just seen that going. video? Yeah, um, I've seen that video. It, yes. I think but, you but could thank you zoom in. at Yes, you're welcome. If it was a video, Rachel, <laughs> I, I was around when they when those became a thing uh, and before and before. I'm suggesting uh, that you were yeah that you were perhaps younger and that that was after before your time, not after your time. Anyway, um, I remember before Macromedia was a part of oh Flash. My God. Continue. Uh, but uh, the idea is, I think you could be a systems <laughs> thinker at any level of magnification, right? I think that's uh, one yeah. of the things you have to kind of know where to stop. Uh, the idea of how much context is uh, necessary and valuable, given what it is you're trying to accomplish, that's another system entirely. Uh, I think that's but hard. But who, who do you think of when when you think of this? When you say the word systems thinker, I, I mean, there's the things you think about yourself, but who comes into who comes to mind as a person you've worked with, or <sighs> I mean, does anybody remarkably stand out as not that? Maybe don't use them by name or remarkably as that. There's a few examples that I have, but I don't. I don't really have any anybody in mind when I think about this. Like I said, I I'd heard this term. Like it, it gets thrown around a lot, and you know we. Because we have a podcast about leadership and management, we, we, we occasionally engage in conversations about that kind of thing and see these things on Twitter and whatnot. People write, you know, medium articles or whatever people are using now um, right. to, to, to pontificate about that sort of thing. Uh, it, it's, I, I think the people who are good at systems thinking are the people who have it under control. Like they, they are able to, to use their talent for figuring out how a system works and then leverage it. Whereas my experience with being a systems thinker in the context of being in the tech industry and, you know, being a middle manager and being a director and so on is uh, I was bad at the part where you convince someone else it's a problem and then figure out how to fix it. Uh, I was good at identifying problems and identifying their sources. This is why I was good at writing release notes about, you know, bugs known issues and that kind of stuff. But I do think that the people who are good at good leaders take this and then they also have the side of things where they're able to effectively convey these ideas and resolve them with the help of other people. And maybe that's the part you're good at where you figure out, you know, someone else may tell you what the actual problem is. I don't know. 
Um, you may not always identify it yourself, but you're able to get in there and go, well, we have these people. Can they, you know, how do we leverage what we have to solve a problem? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Um, there, There's definitely, I like to think there's times where I've identified the problem or I've seen the systematic issue. There's definitely times where people came to me and were like, dude, you idiot, do you not see what's happening here? And like, no, I don't know what to, to please tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there's definitely, a, 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 there's definitely people who seem to have intuition for what that next thing is or you don't realize that the reason these problems exist is because you haven't hired a X or Y, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for a long time, there was a guy at the company saying, Kendall, you need a product person. And I was like, ah, oh, no, we're fine. And we hired a product person and that, whew, man, he's good at his job. It's real nice <laughs> having a good product person. Um, anyways, it was, you know, it was one of those, like, I didn't tune in to, I didn't know what I didn't have. So some people are good at bringing those kinds of things to your attention, sure. And then maybe I can help solve them later. I don't know. I mean, the reason I ask you that is there's two people that come to mind for me on the systems thinking side. And one is uh, a person who we've had on this podcast, but shall rename unnamed, uh, remain unnamed, not rename. You get the idea. Um, (laughs) Anyways. uh, Now I'm curious. Who the hell is it? Goes goes into their head down really long rabbit holes for like, why is this like this? How do I solve this? What's next? It think, you know, but, and sometimes I think overly like gets stuck in their head. Now, on the other hand, I think this person has also never encountered a question, architectural or otherwise, uh, that they couldn't see 25 chess moves into the future and really set the organization up for success. Like, I think this organization scales with less engineers making more money per engineer than anybody I've ever heard of outside of a Netflix or a Google. And, uh, you know, it's kind of outrageous. And I think it works because this person says, I mean, everything down to, you know, well, we're using Kubernetes, but why are we using Helm? Or we're going to build an engineering organization. I'm not sure we need a manager right there in this kind of situation, even though traditionally people would hire that. Like, here's the problem I'm going to have with communicating in this way across this line over time when we scale to this big and just, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, very, very impressive. The other person I think of just spends all day thinking about the frameworks and how everything can plug into the framework. And maybe if I understand one, to me, it it seems a little bit like a fallacy of if I understood one more framework, mm-hmm. it could make all the problems go away. Well, that's, I think yeah. that's a classic engineering problem. Like, well, the first thing we do is we, we establish a framework for, you know, whatever problem we're trying to solve and then, and then plug everything into it. And then, so of course, then you create a bunch of U-shaped problems that were part of this framework instead as you were talking about before i can think of someone that we both know and who has been on the show who i consider to be an extremely uh proficient systems thinker in the way that people work and how to get what they want from you know they're able to visual to to, uh, in particular this person is if you have nothing but good things to say about this person you should name them oh well uh um I'm I'm not gonna. I think I'm just gonna I'm okay. just gonna keep okay. it. Gonna be vague about it. I'm gonna be vague about it, it's not okay. because I don't have good things about, to say about this person, but because this person doesn't necessarily have good things to say about their leadership. Um, ah. So this person has a boss, and that boss is kind of a, a kind of a wet sack. I don't know, like not especially. Um, 
able to uh, represent this person to to the leadership above and and that this person's team and and the work that they're doing uh and this person that we both know has done some amazing things in terms of manipulation and getting what they want via other means within the org and applying pressure and i know you know who i'm talking about at this point i do uh and it's super impressive right like it's not, yep. it's understanding the system that they exist in and uh, being confident in what they want as an outcome as well. Like it's the right thing. Working that system to get to both. I mean, there's, there's a way to, I think when people think about, you, you said the word manipulate or work the system or whatever, but like there's, I think when most people hear that, it's, they think for personal ends, but sometimes you have to manipulate the system oh, for yeah. the good of the company. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's not a bad thing. Um, Definitely. Some of the more effective leaders I know are really good at understanding, oh, here's the problem I need to go solve. Nobody sees it that way. I'm going to go communicate it in this way that nobody has before, and we're going to actually solve this problem. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, uh, that's why you're good at your job. It's impressive. Uh, yeah. When you, when you see it laid yeah. out like that, you're like, oh, my goodness. Genius. Yep. Yeah. And, and, Genius. Uh, and then one of the things in this list, which to me is, you know, uh, very, <laughs> really touched me and, and made me remember how unfortunate uh, my behavior has been in the past. Don't confuse being able to sense and see system dynamics with being able to or about to control them. You can't. Yeah. Because I spent yeah. a lot of time as a young, inexperienced manager, just like railing against the system and not understanding what my, my job actually was in the system but i think it's also the when you're lower on the org chart it's hard sometimes and i hate that i'm putting it that way but like you have a limited view and a lot of times you think oh yeah you know exactly what it takes to solve things and everybody above you is going oh my sweet summer child. yeah right? that's exactly and right like, <laughs> exactly right yeah yeah you're like oh, i understand everything and now i see people doing that all the time and i'm like oh i remember this don't do this it's okay just don't uh, and I think engineers, people in tech in particular, have a tendency to just assume they have all the context they need to solve a problem, like that they know better. Reddit in particular is full of people saying, well, if they had done this, this is what, here's your problem. You know, like, no, no, you don't have any, your, your system's thinking has hit a ceiling and you do not see the rest of the system. Ta-da, it's when... not anything like what you thought. Yeah. That that stuff is painful uh, and humbling to remember. Well, it's, it, that reminds me of when a woman who is a probably the most well-known person in their field and a researcher and a PhD and all this like asks for help something related to their field it, like intentionally as it like please explain to me and then just people just lose their shit on her like you <laughs> moron how can you not understand and it's like this person literally wrote the book and you're too much of an idiot to know before you go explain it to her you just assume i find you're that an my expert. favorite kind of trolling yeah yeah oh, i just um, find that painful to watch but yeah that's that's why that's why that's right well um Anything else to say on that topic before we move on? Hmm. Well, I liked this. Like I said, this list really was interesting because it was it was kind of like describing systems thinking from a from a different perspective, like why it's hard rather than talking about specifically it's the practice of doing X, Y, and Z. Like you, uh, like figuring out where there is a black hole by the way that it perturbs everything around it, right? Because you can't actually see it yourself. 
Um, and I found it really cool uh, and telling in, in that context. Well, there's, there's a lot of things on this list that whether you're a uh, systems overthinker is apparently this person calls themselves or not, are, mm-hmm. are useful tips, particularly as a leader, like seek quick wins, but know that most meaningful things take a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. It takes a long time to ride a ship. That doesn't mean you shouldn't seek some quick wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll need a support network and not just a venting network, a real, real support. I mean, you know, these are things, a lot of the stuff on this list is like, if you're even considering being in a position of leadership, these are things you should have. Yeah. Um, well, you should I mean, look I at this list about... and go, is this, is this something that you're going to be able to, to do in the long term? Like have these struggles? Do you, do you, right. you know, <laughs> except that, to me, it more defined the problem in, in a way that I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot about, uh, uh, just, just whether somebody's putting it in a tweet like this, a tweet list like this, or a book, and when you read something that you identify with, and you're just like, oh, that just makes me feel good. In part because, I mean, I think a big part of the reason this appealed to you is just like the, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah, right? like which I, is just a good feeling to have sometimes. Uh, uh, I don't. It wasn't a good feeling. It was more like, oh, I wish, <laughs> I wish I had known better back when it might have made more of a difference. So it was. I felt seen, and I wasn't sure that I enjoyed that, but I felt seen. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, uh, uh, thanks. Don't be seen. Thanks. What, yeah. uh, what, what's this person's name again? Thanks, John Cutler, who seems pretty well known. I'm afraid I don't know this person, but um, but thanks for the list because it generated a lot of thoughts, deep thoughts. You should at him when you uh, tweet the podcast. That, oh, hey, I we shall. talked about you in your list. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about you. Um, we didn't invite you to be on the show, but maybe we should. Um, great. Well, uh, thank you so much. Anything else you want to say before we go? Uh, good luck with, uh, with all of the getting rid of all of your worldly possessions. And I hope you get to keep your bike. Uh, I'm not sure if, I mean, I love my bike and my bike is weird and delightful, but like building the bike is half the fun mm, of the bike. I mean, so it's just, just do it I again. need to build it while I ride it. Yeah. I mean, okay. I would buy one that I can ride. I wouldn't buy a frame and then build it because that would take me forever. Mm-hmm. I would buy what I can ride and I would slowly tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until uh, it's a Franken bike like this one is. Um, but uh, You would make adjustments to the system. Make adjustments. The problem is, is oh, Denver has a really good bike co-op where I can buy parts for like two bucks because they're all old and used. And some of them are really nice and used. Um, yeah, there's but, a lot uh, of a lot of people uh, into cycling in that area, I expect. Yes. Anyways, okay. Well, uh, if you have other thoughts, let me know. But appreciate you talking. And uh, we'll wrap up.